Letter thirty nine of Clarissa Harlow, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Clarissa Harlow, Volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Chapter thirty nine. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire, Thursday, April 20th. Thou knowest the widow, thou knowest her nieces, thou knowest the lodgings, and didst thou ever read a letter more artfully couched than this of Tom Dolman? Every possible objection anticipated, every accident provided against, every tittle of it plot-proof. Who could forbear smiling to see my charmer like a farcical dean and chapter choose what was before chosen for her and sagaciously as they go in form to prayers that heaven would direct their choice pondering upon the different proposals as if she would make me believe she had a mind for some other the dear sly rogue looking upon me too with a view to discover some emotion in me emotions i had but i can tell her that they lay deeper than her eye could reach though it had been a sunbeam no confidence in me fair one none at all tis plain thou wilt not if i were inclined to change my views encourage me by a generous reliance on my honour and shall it be said that i a master of arts in love shall be overmatched by so unpractised a novice but to see the charmer so far satisfied with my contrivance as to borrow my friend's letter in order to satisfy miss howe likewise silly little rogues to walk out into by-paths on the strength of their own judgment when nothing but experience can enable them to disappoint us and teach them grandmother wisdom when they have it indeed then may they sit down like so many cassandras and preach caution to others who will as little mind them as they did their instructress whenever a fine handsome confident young fellow such a one as thou knowest who comes across them but belford didst thou not mind that sly rogue dolesman naming dover street for the widow's place of abode what dost thou think could be meant by that tis impossible thou shouldst guess so not to puzzle thee about it suppose the widow sinclair's in dover street should be inquired after by some officious person in order to come at characters miss howe is as sly as the devil and as busy to the full and neither such a name nor such a house can be found in that street nor a house to answer that description then will not the keenest hunter in england be at a fault but how wilt thou do methinks thou askest to hinder the lady from resenting the fallacy and mistrusting thee the more on that account when she finds it out to be on another street Phew, never mind that either i shall have a way for it or we shall thoroughly understand one another by that time or if we don't she'll know enough of me not to wonder at such piccadilla but how wilt thou hinder the lady from apprising her friend of the real name she must first know it herself monkey must she not well but how wilt thou do to hinder her from knowing the street and her friend from directing letters thither 
which will be the same thing as if the name were known. Let me alone for that, too. If thou further objectest that Tom Dolman is too great a dunce to write such a letter in answer to mine, canst thou not imagine that, in order to save honest Tom all this trouble, I, who know the town so well, could send him a copy of what he should write, and leave him nothing to do but transcribe? What now sayest thou to me, Belford? I suppose I had designed this task of inquiry for thee, and suppose the lady expected against thee for no other reason in the world but because of my value for thee. What sayest thou to the lady, Jack? This it is to have leisure upon my hands. What a matchless plotter thy friend! Stand by, and let me swell. I am already as big as an elephant, and ten times wiser mightier too by far have i not reason to snuff the moon with my proboscis lord help thee for a poor for a very poor creature wonder not that i despise thee heartily since the man who is disposed immoderately to exalt himself cannot do it but by despising everybody else in proportion i shall make good use of the dolomanic hint of being married but I will not tell thee all at once. Nor, indeed, have I thoroughly digested that part of my plot. When a general must regulate himself by the motions of a watchful adversary, how can he say beforehand what he will or what he will not do? Widow Sinclair, didst thou not say, Loveless? Aye, Sinclair, Jack. Remember the name, Sinclair, I repeat. She has no other and her features being broad and flow-blown, I will suppose her to be of highland extraction, as her husband, the colonel, mind that too, was a Scot, as brave as honest. I never forget the minutia of my contrivances. In all matters that admit of doubt, the minutia closely attended to and provided for are of more service than a thousand oaths vows and protestations made to supply the neglect of them especially when jealousy has made its way in the working mind thou wouldst wonder if thou knewest one half of my providences to give thee but one i have already been so good as to send up a list of books to be procured for the lady's closet mostly at second hand and thou knowest that the women there are all well read but I will not anticipate. Besides, it looks as if I were afraid of leaving anything to my old friend Chance, which has many a time been an excellent second to me, and ought not be affronted or despised, especially by one who has the art of making unpromising incidents turn out in his favor. End of Letter 39